Welcome to another great episode of the Midlife Makeover Show live on YouTube. These shows are unedited, uncensored, and unbelievably good. I would love it if you joined us on YouTube when we go live with awesome guests and great topics. Just go to midlifemakeoveryoutube.com, click the subscribe button, and check out the live tab on my channel for upcoming shows. I hope to see you there. Enjoy the show. Ooh, yay! We are live. Oh my gosh, this is always so exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. It is so exciting. Everyone, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, three Facebook pages, uh, Twitter, and Twitch. Yes, Twitch. I think that's where they just play video games. But now they're probably like, okay. who are these two ladies on here? <laughs> they're going to be drinking wine. They're going to be like drinking wine and playing video games. So anyways, welcome to the show. I have an awesome guest for you today. This is actually, you're going to be the first on the show where we talk about wine. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. I'm honored. Yeah. And what does that have to do with midlife? Everything. Everything. <laughs> I mean. You gotta. All right. So today's guest is Marilee Bramhall, and she is doing her part to change the wine world's status quo. Listen to this stat. It is so cool. Although up to, I mean, it's not cool, but anyways, although up to 80% of wine purchases in the U.S. are made by women, listen to this, only 15% of the winemakers worldwide are women. That's awful. You're changing that. Going to change it. Marilee's company is Iola Wines. I love that name. You'll have to tell me the story behind that. She champions women winemakers who are every bit as talented as their French and Italian brethren by sharing their wines through the Iola Wine Society Wine Club. The idea of Iola Wines came to Marilee Bramhall. Did I say your name right? You did. Okay, perfect. After years of working in the Washington and California wine industry, studying and traveling the wine regions of Europe, and completing with the highest honor certifications for French and Italian wine scholar and WSET L3 with merit. Please welcome the marvelous Marilee to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here, Wendy. This is... I've been looking forward to this for weeks and weeks. And yeah, you know what? What was it just yesterday? Because we were supposed to do a regular one-on-one Zoom interview. And I was like, wait, we're going to be drinking wines? We should do this live. Yeah. A hundred percent. We're going to have fun with it. So tell everyone a little bit more about how you got involved with becoming a wine, uh, a, a wine master. Oh, wow. That sounds fabulous. I'll take that. Um, well, there's there's a long, of course, circuitous journey, which I will try to, you know, encapsulate. Basically, for me, I was lucky to grow up with a dad who is an enthusiast, still is to this day, like a hobbyist. He's never studied, but he really enjoys wine. So one day, summer day, when I was about 10 or 11 years old, He was grilling T-bone steaks and pouring his 
favorite left bank Bordeaux. And he decided for whatever reason that I could have like the tiniest, tiniest taste. So, um, which I think that sort of experience is a little bit more European than American. Yes. To be to get the chance to taste at that young age and just a little bit, just, it was just, all it was, was just an introduction. And, um, I just never forgot it. I've all, I mean, I can close my eyes and be back in that moment where I first tasted that wine and, um, it left a, quite an impression on me, not because, um, I, you know, my palate was so developed that I thought it, it tasted amazing, not at all, but more, it was about, you know, what this represented, what it meant. It meant, um, food and family and friends and special times and a place really far away that I want, you know, that I wondered about and was curious about and want really wanted to go to, um, so that was sort of the very beginning. And then um, fast forward, I did end up going to France, spent some time um, in France when I was in college. And that was the first time I ever studied wine. Um, it was very cursory. It wasn't with the intention of like, oh, wow, I really want to learn about wine. It was more, um, it just sort of happened with another project I was working on. And when I came back, I went to work in the wine industry here in the U.S., um, primarily Washington and California wines for just mm -hmm. under a decade and with a couple different large corporations and um, had so many wonderful experiences there. And wow, the great good fortune to taste so much amazing wine. But I noticed that women that were really trying to get the yeah. winemaker jobs, they weren't getting the jobs. Wow. They were, they were out there, you know, getting after it, trying to get them. Even, you know, um, this happened inside the company as well. Mm -hmm. um, during, during my tenure, I saw one woman head winemaker, and that was just shortly before I left. The wow. rest of the time, always men. Yeah, and, and I think actually, I was reading the stats yesterday, I think it's even less than 14%. Uh, in the U.S. or something like that within, you know, California, Washington. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you love uh, most about, like, the French and Italian wines? And how, how, do they, how are they different than California, Oregon, and Washington? Oh, I love this question. Mm. Um, so, I mean, what happened for me was around 2008, I just, you know, started to get really curious about what's the origin story here? Because as wonderful as um, Napa Cab and Oregon Pinot Noir are, those grapes are not from those areas. Mm. Those grapes were born somewhere else. So I wanted to find out, you know, it was like pulling on a thread. I started pulling on this thread and the more I pulled on it, the more um, nerdy I, I mean, it was a serious nerd out that hasn't ended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still going on. <laughs> um, so that that led me to the old world. So in 2008, that was when I stopped buying any domestic wine. I started buying only um, European wine, primarily um, Spanish, French, and Italian wine. Mm. And then I got, you know, kind of into studying in more of what I would call a scholarly way. And, you know, getting some certifications and then got a credential to teach one of those certifications. Um, and what I find is that it's really exciting to go to the native terroir where a grape was actually born, where it first appeared on the planet yeah. and experience that 
wine that comes from that native terroir where the grape was was born. So, I mean, just like all of us, they all have a story of where they were born and how they grew up. And so are most of the ones over here in the U.S., do they come from Europe? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So like Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, those are all, those all, I mean, I can tell you stories about all of those grapes and where they're from. So really, I guess it would make sense then. The, the wines that are over there, because they originated there, they're going to be richer. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, there's there's a couple, I mean, I like to sort of boil it down to two schools of thought of, mm-hmm. of winemaking. I mean, there's the point of view of um, acting as sort of a, a shepherd mm-hmm. of the grape, where you're you're cultivating the grape in the vineyard and all you're doing is you're intervening as little as possible, you know, no chemicals, no chemical fertilizers, no herbicide, no pesticide, trying to work with in with you know in harmony with nature. Mm-hmm. And then at the time of harvest, you you carry that same philosophy through to the winemaking where it's very low intervention, you're not adding things to the wines. I mean, there's a lot of additives that are legal yep. all over the world and, you know, I try to, I mean, the way I boil it down, you know, in a really general way is a lot of grocery store wines have additives in them. You just have to be very careful about that. And you notice um, when you drink a wine that's full of additives, you tend to not feel so great the next day, no matter how, how much or how little you had versus if you're drinking an organic wine you have a different experience the next day. Just like you said earlier about it being food, right? And we can tell a difference if you're eating, uh, let's just say, a chicken sandwich at McDonald's versus uh, an organic chicken that's fresh and simply sauteed with not any additives to it. It's the same thing. And it's I shared the same with thing. yeah, and it's like I can tell a difference just when I'm over in Portugal when I live in Portugal part of the year, and there's a huge difference between the wines there than here, and it's uh-huh. kind of, it's such a bummer because like when I am over here, you're kind of limited, of course. Like when you're in California, they're going to push California wines. When you're in Oregon, they push Oregon wines, and I can tell a difference between the different regions or let me say the state here, but. Okay, one thing I want to ask you about, and there's, I actually don't know a lot about wine. I know how to drink wine. <laughs> kind of. Hey, that's but, the most important thing to know, though. Yeah, but what I was going to say is, like, here, okay, you've got, like, cabs, you have Pinot Noir, you know, you have Chardonnays. But over there, so it goes according to the grape here. Over there, it goes according to the region. Oftentimes, yes. Yeah. And that's what okay. makes, for a lot of people, makes French wine so confusing because, yes. because above all, wine is about a sense of place. In France, mm. that's how wine is labeled according to the place. So people just know based on what the place on the bot, the place name on the bottle is what the grape inside is going to be. And we're, for us, our consumer experience is the opposite of that. We're used to yeah. going to the store and seeing the name of the grape on the bottle. It's a little more straightforward. So, and I mean, with France, it's not, it's not terribly hard to learn. You can mm-hmm. boil it down pretty quickly. And then you'll have a, you know, if you just know like three major regions and the grapes that go in them, then you, you kind of know what you're going to get. 
Yeah, and I'll admit, like even yesterday when I, I went to Whole Foods and to try to find some wine that I could taste today. And yeah. I was like, I don't even know what I'm getting because I was so confused about it. Because again, I'm so used to Chardonnay or Rosé or whatever. But um, yeah. so how many regions are in France for wines? Well, that's a great question. It depends mm. on how, I mean, that could be answered in a couple different ways. So there's mm. major regions like Champagne, Burgundy, the Loire Valley, Savoie, the Jura, Provence, the Southern Rhone, the Northern Rhone, Bordeaux, the Languedoc, Roussillon. So there's a whole bunch of regions like that. And then inside those regions, there are specific, um, they're called AOCs or Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée. And those mm. specific smaller regions are really identifying um, specific areas mm. and what the um, regulations are for wine growing in those areas. So they will, for example, one thing that's very different in France versus here in the U.S. is irrigation is primarily not allowed anywhere in France. So, um, yeah. So, and one of my theories about irrigation is if you irrigate, the, the, the vine roots really have no incentive to go deep and penetrate mm. way, 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 way deep. Yeah. Um, because the water's right there at the top. Yeah. They get a little, they get lazy. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And you know, we hear, do you, you you probably have heard people um, talk about, oh, the vines need to suffer in order to make good wine. The vine has to suffer a little bit. Well, that's part of it. And so that's one of the benefits of, um, the dry land farming that happens in France is it results in roots being, you know, some of them are three feet deep, more than that. Interesting. So, yeah. Story of my yeah. life. Got to suffer a little bit, you know, like <laughs> a richer life. <laughs> I'm like a good That's bo- what gives us character, right? <laughs> I'm like a good bottle of wine. So, t- so tell everyone a little bit more like um, some of the stories of these women that are over there, which is so cool that they're doing this. Oh. And yeah. I just want to say, though, too, I, I thought about this yesterday. One of the things I love about what I do is providing a platform for other people like that's that I just love that like even what you and I are doing right now this is part Mm -hmm. of what I love and you're doing the same thing you're doing it for women wine yeah yeah yeah. I I really hadn't thought about it that way but yeah but you're right yeah so we're both very empathetic uh, human beings here, but yeah, so you're providing this platform for wow. these women winemakers to mm-hmm. to really make it big out in the world, which is great. Yeah, one of the things I tell them all the time is when I because I don't I don't buy from someone that I haven't visited. I go visit everyone to see like what is actually going on in these vineyards and what's going on in the cellar. What are their philosophies? Who is this person? Yeah, and what is she about? What's you know what's important to her? And one of the things I always tell them is, I want you to win. Mm. I, I want to see women win. That's why I'm doing this. Because, you know, and it's the thing is about, about Iola Wines is it's not just about women. It's mm. about incredible, exceptional, expressive wine. And these women are making damn good wine. Well, it I is would, amazing. Yeah. I mean, I would think, I mean, we're good. I mean, I shared with you earlier, I'm a French pastry chef, you know, it's like, and, and, 
I think women do great as far as cooking and baking, and that goes right along with the wine. Yeah. There, yeah. It's, a, it's such an art. Uh-huh. Yep. It is. And I think, you know, similar to the pastry world, mm-hmm. when you're working with yeast, yeah, you have to, that's not, that's complicated. So yeah. there's that element of it. And then there's the the whole art element of it as well. They go together and it does take a special kind of brain like yours <laughs> to be able to do it. Honestly. A crazy, crazy brain. <laughs> so how did you find these women? Oh, so much research. Lots of research and um, lots of like sending emails out that I never get a response to. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, it's interesting what's happening more and more now is I will have customers or like friends of customers that have traveled and, and maybe they've met someone and they'll get in touch with me and say, hey, you know, I heard about this woman or I met this woman. I don't know if she would be, you know, a, a fit yeah. for you, but the wine was great. So, I mean, this, and literally this just happened last week. Uh, I, I have a great customer. A friend of hers was in um, Tuscany, met an amazing woman winemaker and um, got in touch with her friend. Her friend got in touch with me. I'm now in touch with the winemaker. We've swapped email and um, I'm, I'm going to go visit her because I'm very interested in her story. Um, she's located in a really great spot in Chianti, one of the best spots in Chianti. So wow. um, that's that kind of thing is starting I want, to happen I want, more. I want your job. I want your job. <laughs> I want. <laughs> I just want to go to France and Italy and drink wine. I mean, that's uh-huh. awesome. Uh, I'm going to come back as my the next lifetime as Marilee. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> You're the first you know person that's ever thinking? said that, honestly. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm just putting this out there. Maybe this has already uh, came into your mind. But you know what would be great is a book about each one of these women winemakers. Pictures. I love that. Oh, yeah. my God. Would that be mm-hmm. great? Yeah. That would be it's awesome. A fantastic idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Iola Wines. How do, tell me about the name. Where did that come okay. from? Okay. Oh, I love the. I love to talk about this too. Um, so Iola was my grandmother, oh. and um, she. I was lucky to have my grandmother with me for a very long time. She's only been gone for about five years now, and she was just a big part of me figuring out kind of who I wanted to be in the world. She was a big part of my life growing up, and um, she loved great food. She was an amazing cook. Um, I come from a farming family in southeastern Washington, so that's where my grandmother lived. She was born and raised there, born and raised on an orchard, and then married um, a wheat farmer, who was my grandfather. And so we still have our family farm, which is now, I think, fourth or fifth generation family farm um, in southeastern Washington. Yeah, which, um, it's, I mean, my parents live in Walla Walla, so I go to Stop Walla Walla it. regularly. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so yeah. I live there. And my uncle, actually, he owns a wheat farm in Walla Walla. Okay, listen to this. He used to own Three Rivers Winery. What? Yes. (laughs) I was like, I was just about to tell. When you said Southeast Washington, I was like, wait a minute. Was she from Walla? Yes, I lived in Walla Walla. I went to uh, Prospect Point Elementary School. No, you're kidding me. That's right near where my parents live. Okay, so that's where my uncle lived too. That is t- oh, no. oh, that 
That's I, so I go weird. running past Prospect Point Elementary all the time. That's hysterical. I was just there. So on my RV journey um, this summer, oh I goodness. just went to Walla Walla. Is that funny or what? The what world a- is so small. That's crazy. It's, yeah. That is so wild. What? Yeah. yeah. So he owned Three Rivers Winery um, and then sold it. He sold it like a few years ago. But uh-huh. isn't that crazy? Yeah. That and then really now he crazy. lives um, lives on a wheat farm. Wow. Actually in um, Waitsburg. He moved out. To, yeah. He's out in Waitsburg. Okay. Waitsburg is so close to my, my family lives in Dayton. <laughs> Which is like eight miles from Waitsburg. We're so connected. This is it's, crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, anyways, yeah. So uh, we're connecting through wine and Walla Walla. I mean, and Walla Walla. You know, yeah. I was, this popped in my mind. Um, have you, do you know about Dan Butner and the Blue Zones? Yes. Okay. I do. Just so, a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. <clears throat> so one of the things that these centurions had in common, people that live past 100, is that they all drank wine. Yeah. Maybe not all of them, but I think majority of them a drank lot of wine. Them. Mm-hmm. And going back to kind of what, how you got introduced to wine from your dad and like having your steak and having a little bit of red wine, it's like a, it's a, it's a social thing. It's a way of connecting. I mean, just mm-hmm. like we're doing here, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, there's, it, to each his own, right? I'm like some people are like, oh my God, you know, anti-alcohol. It's like, well, think of it as, look at it differently. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. you have to drink the whole bottle, you know, not right. that right. maybe I have before. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> but it happens. if you learn to really appreciate it, and I think that's what's so fun about tasting wines, though. It's just like mm-hmm. eating different foods and trying different pastries, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's um let's do a little tasting, shall we? Let's do it. Yeah. And um again, we'll have to remember not since this will be on the podcast as well. We'll have to kind of keep describing what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And yeah, and you'll have to describe more than me because all I know is to just like drink to drink it and sip it. Um, I have a feeling you know more than that. Something yeah. tells me. <laughs> Walla Walla connection. Yeah. yeah. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. So I'll let you take over. Okay. So I'm just going to grab some wine. Okay. To start out. And I, some glasses. I got here, my fancy. Yeah. Look at this acrylic. This is my RV acrylic wine glass here. See, that's perfect, though. Then you can be on your patio with wine. You don't have to worry about anything breaking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can kind of do that because so I w- I just got back from um, a long trip in France and Italy um, uh, doing I did a um, food and wine tour in the middle of it and then I was seeing producers the rest of the time and at the mm. end I was in Champagne and one of my brand new Champagne producers I'm working with um, I told her I want to start a collection of vintage Champagne flutes and she said oh I know this guy you got to go see him so I went to see this guy who has like this kind of like a garage full of antique stuff. Wow. And I got this antique <gasps> um, flute. Yeah. That is, it's Baccarat. Oh my and, God. It's I gorgeous. Mean, isn't it? It's so beautiful. Um, so I, I, and I have part of a bottle of champagne, so I thought I might start with that. Yeah. Um, 
glass glasses are just a th- I love glasses. I love I glassware. Whether it's um like old like this or <laughs> I also have this glass um which is made Ooh. by um yeah, so this is a glass that you see these regularly in champagne. They're the perfect glass for drinking champagne out of because huh. they're shaped like a tulip. So um it there's a wider area and then it closes in at top to at the top to bring the aromas up. But that wider area allows for more contact with oxygen. Wow. And um it's such and then a science, isn't it? It is. It's a science. Yeah. And it's it's like the where art and science meet. Yes. Exactly. In a glass of wine. Yeah. By the way, anyone that's watching, uh, if you guys have questions, feel free to put that there in the chat and I will uh post your question up there. Um, so yeah, and I guess while you're doing that, I'll um I'll pour this. This is I don't know, can you see what that says? I cannot ex- quite see that. Something Saint, Venture. Yeah, Saint Venture. Porte de un Provence. Cote de Provence? Yeah. Great. That's a good that's a great um appellation in Provence. Oh great good. place. So is that rosé it looks like? Like a very pale rosé? It is, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly how you should, uh, how a rosé from Provence should look. It should be very pale like that. Oh, nice. Look at that. Yeah. I, d- I did good. And you know what, too? I have found that, well, I kind of look at it. This is how I, I view my life as well. You just kind of go and sample what you like. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you and like it, go you back don't, you move more. on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like if with it's wine. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I love to tell people, hey, you know what? We no longer live in that era, um, you know, centuries ago yeah. when it was safer to drink wine than water. Yeah. The wine today, it the only purpose it has, its sole purpose is your pleasure. So mm-hmm. if it's not giving you pleasure, don't drink that. Move on to something that does give yep. you pleasure and yep. enjoy. Yeah. It's for enjoyment. Exactly. I love yeah. that. All, all these metaphors today. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pop this top. And this is um, a uh, another new producer that I'm working with in Champagne. I'm super excited about them um, because the, the producer is Champagne Dobie. And um, right on the bottle, it says mother and daughter, mère et fille. So this is a mother-daughter champagne duo um, in the village of Ai in Champagne. So um, this is a Grand Reserve Premier Cru. It's a a mix of two Premier Cru vineyards in Champagne that are um, extraordinarily beautiful terroir. One of them, a lot of people think it should be a Grand Cru. So um, it makes this wine particularly great. So this might make a little bit of a pop. So just Ooh, a little. I like that. Oh, not too bad. Did you hear it? I did. Yeah. I like it. So, yeah. um, and that's, which we'll talk more about this too, how people can actually get some of these wines, but they can just basically join your wine club. And, and what's great is like, you've done all the work, so you actually get all the wines and be able to give it to them. Yeah. And I will tell you, I'm pretty particular. There are a lot of wines that just don't make the cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the idea is that there is something for everyone's palate. So mm. not everyone likes cool climate wines that are higher in acidity and lower in alcohol. Some people like really full, mm. plush, lush 
yeah. warmer climate wines, like from the Southern Rhone. So I have those and I have cool climate wines. I've got Chablis, Champagne, of course, Bordeaux. Um, yeah. Wow. And each one of these has a fantastic story behind the bottle. There's yeah. a woman doing something really great. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. So, so champagne is, um, if I, ha- if I was stranded on a desert island and I could only have one kind of wine for the rest of my life, it would probably be champagne. There's a lot of reasons. I mean, one, I mean, who doesn't love the bubbles? I guess I there are know. some people. There's so romantic. I love the bubbles. Yeah. And then it's such an amazing food wine. Champagne's yeah. one of the easiest wines to pair food with. So um, it's lovely. This is yeah. a blend of Pinot Noir and, Cham- and um, Chardonnay, which oh. are two of the main, the three main grapes of, of Champagne, which are Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Meunier. Oh. So this is just two of the three. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And I learned grown something. in beautiful chalk terroir. Um, and this producer has, um, their cellar actually was built in 1903 for the Vuve Clicquot company. Oh, and yeah. yeah so, and then it, the Vuve Clicquot company sold it to this family um, later. Yeah. I think it was in the early sixties, mm-hmm. 1960s. Yeah. You know, and so. champagne can be pretty pricey. But I've also found some that are not so pricey and they're very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think, I mean, what I hope happens eventually is that people start to embrace champagne as a food wine, as a wine that we can drink much more often than one or two times a year. Right. Um, I mean, I love it whenever I, whenever it works for me to get it, I absolutely love the opportunity to yeah. have it. Yeah. So. Okay. And like I said, pears greatly great with food. So um, I don't have any food with me, but um, I'm gonna just smell this and see what aromas come. Okay, this wine has um, some wonderful toasty brioche notes to it, and that's because it's been aged for a while before it was released. So aged mm. on its lees, so it gets that wonderful pastry aroma. Mm. Which I mean, yum, what yum, is yum, better yum. than that smell of yeah? toasty, buttery pastry. Um, and then some wonderful citrus and a little bit of, yeah, just a little bit of, um, some darker fruit too. That's one thing too. I could sit there and just listen to descriptions of wines. You know what? I'll admit, I never Mm -hmm. spend enough time just sniffing it. I don't. I'm like, I just drink Uh, it right away. Well, I mean, sometimes that's the thing to do is to just drink it and enjoy it. Right. It depends on what, you know, it depends on the occasion. Mm -hmm. There, I mean, there are times for me when I'm working and tasting, um, I get into a really, you know, focused mode and I, and it's important to, to, you know, pick my head up and think broader about, okay, what, what's the occasion for this wine? Yeah. When would this wine fit in? Is it a wine that really it, it needs food with it? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it a wine that, you know, is actually a great, you know, meditation wine. That's a term I learned from Italians, vino di meditazione, <laughs> oh, which is like, just like, you can just drink this and enjoy it. You don't have to have food with it. And yeah, there's just- some great French wines like that. I think champagne is a wonderful example of that. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to switch 
glasses into the other glass because the other glass, though this one is beautiful, it's not as good for picking up aromas. Now, I had taken a wine class, this was like years and years ago. I was actually working for this restaurant and they were talking about the legs and all this other stuff on the glass. And it was just like, what? So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, does it sure. mean anything? Is it important? Okay. So, yeah, this is, I'm glad you brought this up. That is, you know, if you're looking at legs or sometimes they're called tears on the glass after mm -hmm. you swirl, um, that's a, it's a good indication of either how much alcohol is in the wine, or it also could be residual mm. sugar. If you're um, tasting a, a dessert wine, a sweeter wine. Um, but it, what I like to do is try to get, there's a traditional way of tasting, you know, where of course wine is a sensory experience. So we want to engage our senses as much as possible. So, you know, of course you want to be looking at it, looking at the color, noticing the color. In this case, I'm looking at the perlage or the movement of yeah. the bubbles up to the top, mm -hmm. um, noticing the color of it. And then, you know, you want to sniff in France, they call it the premier nez, the first nose. Oh. You smell it and then you swirl a little bit and then you go back and smell again and you'll notice more aromas coming out. And, and, you know, and then the next step is to taste it. Um, and this, I do a lot of master classes for people, private master classes, and, and regularly I run into people who that wine becomes very difficult for them to feel a part of mm -hmm. because this sensory analysis part just does not come to them very easily. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. So that becomes a barrier and it keeps people out. And what I want to do is democratize wine. I want people, yeah. anyone to feel like they belong because yeah. wine is for anyone that's curious about it. Yeah. Full stop. Yep. So there's other ways to engage. Um, one of the things I like to do with people, and I, I do master classes that are, you know, other ways to engage with wine besides the traditional method is, you know, just when you taste it, just close your eyes and, you know, see what colors or shapes or memories come into your mind's mm. eye. Or if you just see an image of something, um, I just did this last night with someone and they tasted a wine and they're like, oh. I just feel like I'm outside on a patio in nature with lots of trees and, you know, there's maybe some wild grass. And so they, they were able to engage in a different way. Yeah, um, it's like and a, that a, makes it more accessible. Yeah. It's a whole experience. Yeah. Right. It is. Rather than just mm -hmm. gulping it down. Right. Yeah. It's in, I, I, I was thinking too, it's kind of like the mindful eating where you're supposed to like Yes. Too, too really slowly and you kind of take it all in makes you be uh, more mindful and more present which is really yeah. cool i'm gonna drink it my wine differently tonight <laughs> yeah mind mindful mindful wine drinking yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so now with with iola wines as someone because i mean myself included can be very intimidated by buying wines especially if they're in France or Italy. So do you guide them on with what types of wines to get? I do. That's one of the oh, things awesome. that's really fun with customers is once I get to know them a little bit, I get to know their palate, then it's really easy to point them toward um, 
specific wines. Yeah. And, you know, that that can just be, you know, a quick conversation asking a few questions about, um, mm. you know, flavors they like, um, getting to what the structure of the wine is that they prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually what happens when I get to know someone really well, then what happens is I'm actually select when I'm, when I'm out buying wine and selecting wine, I do it with certain customers in mind. Like, Oh, oh I, I, love know, it. I know she would love this wine. That yeah. So and then cool. when I tell them that they're like, what you picked this <laughs> wine because of me? Like, yes, I did. As a matter oh, of fact. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, wine is like, like food and art and books and movies. It's very personal. Yeah. You know, our, our, our palates are really personal. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it can be tricky to be mm-hmm. selecting wine for so many different palates. I mean, I could buy wine for my palate, but there's right. a lot of people that like different things. So the thing that I'm proud of with Iola is that all of the wines are super high quality. They're exceptional, um, very, um, solidly made low intervention. Many of them are certified organic or certified biodynamic at minimum. They're practicing some kind of sustainable viticulture. Um, and there's something for it for every palate really. And then when you go to France and Italy, you can actually go visit these winemakers, which is really cool. Yeah. I'll have Mm -hmm. to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in Portugal, do you travel around to other countries? Yeah, I'm going to start. I, w- I want to go back to France. And I mean, it's been years since I was over there in school, but, um, and I haven't been to Italy. So I cannot <gasps> wait. I know. I know. Well, well you, when you, you go, yes. let me know. <laughs> yeah. We will yeah. have fun, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So what about red wines? Red wine. I have a red wine here that um, I, it's a little bit left in a bottle Mine too. from a class I, master class I did last night. Okay. What do you have? I have an Oregon Pinot Noir, which I love their Pinot mm-hmm. Noir. Um, it's from Underwood, which I don't, but you know what? I tell you for the price, it's not bad. And we all know uh, Whole Foods can be a little pricey. Um, yeah. 12 bucks. Wow. That's a budget um, wine. I know, right? And actually, they're pretty good. Like, I I tried one of their, okay, it's not really champagne, right? If, if it's called champagne, it's got to come from. From France. champagne, France. From, yeah. yeah, from the growing area. But yep. it's a bubbly. Um, it is pretty, pretty good. Pretty impressive. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, point is, though, you don't always have to spend a ton of money to get a good wine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like to tell people that, you know, my sort of guideline or rule of thumb is to think about how many hands touch everything in order to get to the bottle. Now, um, and the the producers that I'm working with. So, for example, this champagne is um, it's this is a small family operation. So they're making about 50,000 bottles per year. Mm. which some people are like, wow, that seems like so much. And then I say, well, guess how much Veuve Clicquot bottles per year? Oh, God, I can't even imagine. How many? Like a million? 19.5 million bottles per year. So 50,000 and 
19.5 million. So that wow. gives you an idea of something that is, this is truly handmade. This is, yeah. this is, um, being out in the vines, taking care of them, pruning, tying, ha- harvesting by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in the, in the cellar is, you know, this is all done by hand. So yeah. um, there's a certain amount of care involved. Um, and this wine is certified sustainable and in organic conversion. So they're farming organically and they have to do that for a period of time before they are eligible to receive the certification. Wow. So, Yeah. <clears throat> that's interesting yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, it's so, a different way of thinking about wine so the well and then um i think of too like so cabs are going to be a lot thicker is that how, yeah that's not i see i'm not good with the adjectives. they're they're <laughs> you know they're bigger and bolder um, bigger and bolder there we go yeah and but then you know depending upon where they're from they can be you know higher alcohol level, you know, rounder, plusher. Um, but Cabernet Sauvignon, I think it's the most popular grape in the world mm. for a reason. It's the most planted red grape, I believe. Oh. It's either that or Merlot. Um, it's has the the capacity to have really great structure mm-hmm. and be really age-worthy as a result. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. I hope everyone is as fascinated as I am. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah, hopefully I'm not getting too, so too much cool. wine wine geekiness. <laughs> no, but it's good to know all this stuff though too. Like there's so much more that goes into one bottle of wine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is amazing. Um, this wine that I just poured for myself is from Sicily, and um. It is from a place, it's from the tip of Sicily that's just um, pointing at the Italian mainland. So it's really close to the region of Calabria. Italy, Italian wines are so much fun because there's tons and tons of them. And there's tons and tons of native grapes all over Italy that um, are fabulous and have great stories and history around them. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. This is a native grape that is not very well known. It's called Nocera. And um, it's usually part of a blend, but this producer, she's kind of a trailblazer. She makes a single varietal um, nocera, and she named it Maestro because um, she said this grape nocera taught her so much about making wine that she had to name it teacher. Maestro is teacher. Oh, I love it. And I don't mean to judge uh, wine by its label, but I love the label, so... Do you? I do. Yeah. I mean, this 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 little medallion thing is really an um a nod to where she lives, which and she's yeah. quite a poetic person. She says on one side is the Ionian Sea, which is the creator of myths and legends, and on the <laughs> other side is the Tyrrhenian Sea where the Aeolian islands are. So that's where King Aeolius lives and he is the king of the winds. And so she has beautiful, wonderful sea breezes that blow through her vineyard and keep everything Ah. cool, which means the grapes have wonderful acidity in them. Even though they're in a pretty warm climate, they still have wonderful, um, beautiful acidity and structure. And Nochera is a really interesting grape. Um, You can see from the color that it's quite dark Mm. colored. Mm -hmm. And... um, 
I love to smell this wine. This is a wine that is a perfect meditation wine because if you pour it in your glass, it will change throughout the course of the evening. The longer it's in your glass, the more it evolves and changes. Wow. Um, so it's got a lot of wonderful black fruit, like black plums, black cherries, blackberry, kind of a brambly uh, element to it. Oh, and then some really beautiful herbal notes, licorice, and then kind of a, a hint of um, eucalyptus, kind of Ooh, like yummy. It's a tiny bit menthol, like um, Cabernet Sauvignon is. Mm. And then pepper, black pepper. Oh, lots of black pepper on this wine too. And the other thing I love, oh yeah, is um, it's got some fun, savory notes to it earthy, savory notes. Um, it's a little bit leather and kind of like pipe tobacco. Oh, interesting. Oh my gosh. This yeah. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Look, how, look how much lighter mine is compared to yours. Oh that yeah. Is so wild. Yeah. That is so cool. So, um, so tell everyone a little bit more about the wine club. Sure. Yeah. The wine clubs are a lot of fun. We have, we actually have five wine clubs now. Um, we have a, um, club rouge, which is all red wine. And it's for, you know, people that love red wine. We, we, um, send our allocations four times a year. And so in each allocation, there are six bottles. And then I write a fabulous, um, little, well, some people think it's fabulous. This little insert that comes in it. So when you open this up, Aww. it talks about what the theme is. And, and then there's a note about the theme. And then inside, there's a note about each wine. Wow. So there's a there's, um, story of the producer. Who is this woman behind mm -hmm. the wine? Um, where does she live? Why is she doing this? And then there's, of course, a tasting note and then foods to pair. And then this year for Club Rouge and for our Connoisseur Club, what I've started doing is including a recipe from one of the producers. Ah. So rather than just a random recipe, I'm, I go to the producer and say, you know, what's your what's one of your favorite recipes to cook when you drink this wine that we're featuring? Ah. And so she gives me a recipe. They're always in grams. So, um, so yeah, I have to like cook it myself and then convert it to, teaspoons and French pastries. It's like, I would weigh everything. I had my little scale out and I weigh all the, you know, the flour and the sugar. So, yeah, isn't totally that relate. the way to make it really turn out it the is. best? It's the best. Yeah. I can't imagine like not like baking that way. Um, that uh -huh. is so cool. Yeah. You've got a future book there. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I didn't think of that. This is a bunch of material. I know. That is so great that you do that, though. Your grandma would be very proud of my little I feel, I, I yeah. feel like she would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the um, Club Rouge is four times a year, 24 bottles. And we have another one that's Petite Rouge. And it's smaller. It's the same mm -hmm. kind of thing, but you only get 16 bottles a year. So just four bottles, four times a year. Connoisseur is um, one of our most popular, and it's because mm. it's the the best of the red wines, some white wines. Every once in a while, I throw in some rosé and um, some sparkling because I love the bubbles. I love rosé, too, so I can't help myself. I just throw some of that in. Um, and this year, our rosé was so popular, it just sold out um, pretty quickly. So 
I have had a lot of people ask if I would be willing to do a rosé club and we're not there yet. We need to grow. So what I'm going to do this year is a rosé box that people can pre-purchase now. It'll be coming out soon. And then in the spring, when the wine arrives from the new vintages, I'll be going to taste new vintages in January and February. Mm-hmm. Um, the I'll order the wine. It'll arrive. And then everyone will get their rosé box, which will be six unique rosés between France and Italy. Oh. Um, now, can, do you ship uh, worldwide, nationwide? Um, we Right now we ship to, I think it's nine states in, in uh, the U.S. Mm-hmm. So only in the U.S. We don't ship globally. And we're working right now on a plan to expand that quite a bit. So right now we ship to Washington, Oregon, California, Colorado, Wyoming, Florida, D.C., New York. We just got <laughs> our New York license. Um, and Minnesota. Nice. I love it. That is yeah. So great. soon we'll be adding um, some more more states to that. Yeah, and then just go to your website iolawines.com. I put a little banner on there if you guys are watching. Yeah, I love that. My little ticker tape. I love it. <laughs> I love that Iola Wines is on the ticker tape. Too. It's I really know. cool. I don't know why. And then uh, follow you on Instagram. I'll put that on there. Um, Iola dot Correct. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, What do you love most about what you do? Oh, I think the thing I love most is that I am just the link between the women making these wines and the people here in the U.S. um, enjoying them. So um, my job, I always tell producers, my job is to carry your story. And it's important to me that I... I take that really seriously. I want to do the best possible job of carrying your story because the story goes with the wine. And that's what brings it alive for the people that are drinking these wines. These are living, vibrant wines that come from living, vibrant soils. Mm. And the story of the woman behind it um, is is a big part of the wine. Yeah, being created by vibrant women. That is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marilee. And thank you, everyone that joined us today. And uh, this will be live on the podcast next week. So this is great. Thank you so much, Wendy. Uh, This has been so much fun. Um, I love that we're tasting wine. And it's been just um, so great to spend the time with you. Yes. And hopefully we'll, we'll meet someday, whether it's Walla Walla or Italy. Yeah, exactly. I love it. All right. Thank you, everyone. And then you can join us on the next live show. It's actually next Thursday. We're going to be talking about uh, radiant skin from wine to radiant skin. Uh, You can just follow the YouTube channel at midlifemakeoveryoutube.com and uh, have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening to another great episode of the Midlife Makeover Show live on YouTube. Before we part ways, just a few quick reminders of how you and I can connect outside of this fabulous show. Number one, follow me on Instagram at the Midlife Makeover Show to add a little fun, inspiration, and laughter to your day. Watch my stories too, so you can follow my daily adventures. I'm always up to something. Number two, sign up for the Midlife News at themidlifenews.com to receive insider alerts on new episodes, live shows, free workshops, and special offers. As a bonus, you'll receive your free Midlife Makeover Toolkit. 
And finally, number three, join us for the next YouTube live show. Go to midlifemakeoveryoutube.com, click the subscribe button, and check out the live tab on my channel for upcoming shows. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Now get out there and be bold, be free, be you. Thank you.